This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome on in to the Yanks Go Yard Podcast, the only podcast that gets you Bronx bombed on a weekday afternoon. Is a Friday a weekday afternoon? That's up for debate. We'll toss it to the comment section. You let me know what is a Friday. How do you define days? It's not up to me to decide. Usually it's easy. This time, not so much. Anyway, you haven't watched Yankees baseball in a couple of days, weeks, months. Friday might be a day you tune in. The roster looks a little bit different and not different in a we're chasing the wild card and could sneak into this thing kind of way, but different in a definitely notable for 2024 type of way. A couple weeks ago, we addressed the rumored call up of Jason Dominguez with scorn. We laughed at it. We said, why would anybody do wait? Do people want this? Like, not only will the Yankees not do this, but are people like excited? Do people actually want to see Jason Dominguez this year? After three days at AAA, you should you should reevaluate your priorities. That's not how the Yankees work. Well, guess what? Jason Dominguez up, Austin Wells up, as has long been rumored, and Harrison Bader in Cincinnati as part of the whole process. We'll talk about what we're excited for, what to expect. Again, lower your expectations because they just might raise them anyway. But either way, you should be watching this. Uh, plus, we'll talk about the circumstances of Bader's departure, why you shouldn't be fooled by Glaber Torres' hot streak, Michael King heading to the rotation, I guess we're doing this, and the Yankees getting one more chance to boo Josh Donaldson at home. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us those five-star reviews you get a chance. Uh, we love them. Subscribe if you're not subscribed. Hit us on the podcast feeds. We're on every podcast feed, and we're live on Monday and Thursday, typically, 2 o'clock Eastern, hit you with a Friday live episode before Dominguez and Wells debut. Hopefully they put him in the lineup tonight, because if not, that'd be a real, uh, that'd be a real bummer. Uh, Thomas Carinante, welcome to the show. You've got a new promo code with NFL season heading uh, around the corner. Brand new, everybody. Um, Caesar Sportsbook gearing up for what's to come. The NFL season is right around the corner. If you bet 50 on Caesar Sportsbook, you get $250 in bonus bets. This is a limited time offer. New users can sign up with our code YGYGET, G-E-T, get it, and redeem $250 in bonus bets after placing your first wager of $50 on any NFL game. Even if your first bet loses, you will receive one $50 bonus bet credit each week over the next five weeks. That's pretty cool. Make sure to enter our code YGYGET while signing up to have a bet on Caesars every week for the start of the pl- of the playoffs. So this is MLB. Oh, so I was gearing up. Sorry, I guys. NFL. I was doing an NFL one on Baseball Insiders, and I was like, "What in the world? This is MLB." I guess they're gearing up for the postseason. Yeah, get with it. Get with it, Tommy's takes. Come on now. Um, yeah, so we have a month left of this season in MLB, and then we got the whole postseason. You'll have all of October. So. We're gearing up for the playoffs. That's what this is in preparation for. Please use that code YGYGET. You will get a bet every week for the start of the playoffs. This offer is only available to new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode descriptions for full terms of the offer. A lot of stuff going on. I don't know how I feel, but I'm living. So I have to I have to figure that out. I'll figure that out soon. Well, the Yankees went and took their first series in months and their first series against the not Kansas City Royals in quite a long time, winning three out of four in Detroit. Uh, Some things happen that maybe want to raise your optimism level for next year. Anthony Volpe 
with the uh, clutch three-run bomb in the ninth inning with two outs yesterday to tie a game. The Yankees were ultimately walked off in, as they always are, when they're in extra innings on the road. Uh, that happens to them more than any other team in baseball since the invention of the Manford Runner, as you retweeted the other day. It just keeps just keeps happening. Would have been really loser nice a, what losers a loser team. team. It's what losers do. It's how losers behave. Uh, it would have been great to get a four-game sweep after the kids' heroics. They did not. Would've but still, cool. 2020 season for Anthony Volpe. 20 homers, 20 stolen bags. Yankees rookies who've done that, zero of them. Derek Jeter, not surprising because he wasn't really a home run. If, Derek, if you told me Derek Jeter had 20 homers in his rookie year, I would have been like, that's too many. Uh, obviously, <laughs> he, did, he did not do that, but Anthony Volpe, a modern player, a different kind of player, he gets that done. 3.6 B-War when you wake up the morning of September 1st. That is something, right? It's something. You can look at it and go, that happened this year. And he's 22 years old, and, you know, at the start of the season. And hopefully that is something you can move forward with and you can be excited by. Oswald Peraza, for example, does not give me the same kinds of feelings. I, I don't look at what he's doing and go, wow, next year, I can't wait for year two or three, technically, because he made a playoff start last year, Peraza. Um, I look at DJ LeMayu and that excites me. He's got an 800 OPS since early July. He looks much more like the guy that we paid. Uh, now, could he revert back to being a pumpkin next opening day? Absolutely. And the aging curve hit all of these 33-year-olds like they were 36-year-olds. Next year, he was actually going to turn 36. So maybe the aging curve gets him for real at that point. Who knows? Not on me to decide, but I'm just here to be a little bit excited by the progress he's shown with Sean Casey. We'll talk Labor Torres then a little bit because he's a conundrum. I think there are only two options with Labor Torres at this point. Well, there are three. Uh, but I think one of them doesn't make a lick of sense. One of them, you can decide where you're at in the offseason. One of them makes all the sense in the world, in my opinion. But the kids are here this evening to continue your optimism a little bit. Uh, Peraza and Pereira already the old men in the locker room. Anthony Volpe, borderline ancient. Based on when he arrived, he's been here all year. He might as well be a 1,000. Uh, because Jason Dominguez, who is 20 years old, is joining the Major League roster today. It's official. The Yankees tweeted it. It's actually happening. Austin Wells, 24-year-old left-handed hitting catcher. All of a sudden, the Yankees have a lefty with power, a switch hitter with power. The lineup looks a hell of a lot more interesting than it has all year long. And they're going into Houston, and they're facing Justin Verlander today. And it's a good thing we no longer really care about wins and losses, and we really, really don't care about wins and losses because this could be a bloodbath could be another bloodbath series the yankees losing this series would help keep the red Sox a few steps back in the wild card race behind the astros wouldn't be the worst thing in the world let's see what the kids do immediately against the challenge of verlander javier i think they get hunter brown in the middle of the game so that's not triple a no, I thought for a second that this was the dominguez at least was premature wells needed to come up I don't know how much more he needs to prove. I know yeah. he hasn't had the most experience at AAA, but um, that injury at the beginning of the year really set him back, and we thought he would probably be here earlier had he had gotten enough time at AA and then a little bit at AAA. Um, and then plus the Yankees need catching help, so it's a no-brainer. And they need a lefty, also a no-brainer. Dominguez felt a little premature, but we saw what he did in spring training. And then I thought about it a little more, and I was like, there's – there, there aren't any expectations right now. Nobody cares. So maybe this takes the pressure off these players who are trying to make an impression where, you know, every time they go to the plate is not a do or die situation or a make or break at bat. The, 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 the nerves are a little bit um, de-escalated. They can just maybe 
focus more on being themselves and playing their game. And that'll help acclimate them to the MLB uh, level with this, you know, this, this month of action um, in a dream scenario, they, they reignite the team and look, we've seen, have we ever seen a 10 game makeup in the standings in the month of September? I thought, what was the year the Mets blew it? That was a nine game. That was like uh, the Mets did a seven with 17 left ones, which was the all time yeah. like Jesus Christ. My yeah. God. Um, I mean, I, I, Boston, I think in 2011 blew either nine or 10 entering September. Oh, that was great. That it was, it yeah, took that was to great. the last day of the season. So, you know, not likely. But uh, yeah. let me check the exact particulars on that because they uh, they blew a big one. Yeah, you're looking at it. Look, the, the, you have the worst case scenario where it's you test these guys out. They're either not ready or you deem them not good enough. And then you move on and expedite the process for 2024, whether that's calling up other prospects when the time comes or prioritizing certain guys or using these guys as trade bait or making sure that you get the right trade candidates or free agents in the offseason. There is the absolute best case scenario where these players kind of ignite a end of season push to maybe make the playoffs. It's not happening, but we're not going to rule anything out until the season's officially over. Red and then Sox I think were up uh, Red Sox were up nine games on September 4th. So that's, that's a lot of games. Wow. Then they went six and 18. Sad. Jesus, that is terrible. Really, really, really bad. That is so bad. Um, and then you have the medium to good scenario where these guys play, they get comfortable. And then you are looking at, a good situation for 2024. I think maybe at that point, since Brian Cashman loves just cutting the top off of the, uh, the or, uh cutting the top off the top end of the farm system with his trades. Maybe you have a feeling these guys start the year in 2024 with the team and you have Volpe as well. And then you start trading from the upper levels of the minors where you have more depth and you can get some interesting trade candidates in the offseason. There's Corbin Burns is one. Um there's a, there's somebody else who's who's entering a, a very difficult situation this offseason. I'll look it up when next time we uh ne- next time I have a break. But um, Shohei Otani. Oh yeah Shohei Otani. Yeah. <laughs> um, people are trade be, candidates, trade candidates. Yeah people are gonna be connecting the A's to the Marlins guys all offseason. Who? Uh, well, I pitchers? would say yeah, just because we've already talked with them. There was, you know, Pablo Lopez for Gleyber Torres. Obviously, it was at the finish line. Didn't happen. Uh, no, nobody really knows what the Marlins guys means at this point because they could trade anyone and everyone except really? for probably Sandy Alcantara. Like, Yuri Perez? Probably not. But you could talk him into it. You know, Rogers. Uh, you know, the, the guy that people keep sending to the Red Sox who's still not on the Red Sox. The Marlins have a lot of rotation pieces. And a lot of kids, so they keep floating people in and out. Yeah, so the, look, there's either way there's going to be options. The Yankees have what we would – what many people are saying, you know, the, the, their deepest farm system in quite a while. Um, so depending on how they view 2024, which I think at this point, like you're getting enough of the dead weight off the books for the most part, you have to view it as a contending year. And Anthony Volpe sophomore season should be better. Uh, Everson Pereira hopefully should be better um, if with this experience. Same goes for Dominguez and Wells. Um, the pitching situation, I'd like to see a young arm. I don't know what the status is on that at this point. They use their two call-ups with Dominguez and Wells, so who knows. But can, can people get called – can prospects still get called up after 
September 1st? Yeah, you just have to... September 1st, you're allowed to add two people without sacrificing anyone on your roster. Well, what if so? Like, what if someone goes on the IL? Yeah, then you would be able to just find and replace. Or you could just DFA Albert Abreu at this point and bring up somebody more interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's what we talked about for a while, and I'm still... There, there, there's got to be there's got to be at least two DFA candidates on this roster still. Um, then you can see what you have in the top-end pitchers, and then you can really figure out what you're going to do for 2024. But, hey, look, this is a step in the right direction for the Yankees. They've kind of, uh, they've kind of gone in a much different uh, – they've kind of gone on a much different path here with how they've promoted prospects. Uh, Angelo Reina is wondering if uh, Sabian or, or – uh, who's the Omar other guy? Yeah, Manaya, not Montoya. <laughs> That's like Montoya. That was a guy I used to work with one time. So, yeah. <laughs> the old um, Blue Jays manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Charlie, uh, if he's wondering if they had an impact on the prospects being called up. Um, I don't know. Those are old school guys. Did they kind of? Did they ever have that? I mean, did they, did I don't know? Did they? The Giants, I guess, was he? He uh, Sabian was in charge of the Posey, Mad Bum, Lincecum. Brandon Belt era. Yeah. Were they called up early? I don't remember. I mean, it's all weird. Like, I don't, uh, there's not a lot of internal logic behind the Dominguez promotion other than just like he's laying okay. waste to triple A's, hitting 419. If you think he could be a part of this opening day roster and you don't want what happened to Anthony Volpe to happen to Jason Dominguez, yeah. where he's the savior, he steals all the headlines for a month, he steals a bunch of bases in April, so nobody yeah. notices he's hitting 205. Then he hits 180, then he hits 160. Like, if you don't want that on a team that you think could contend for a playoff spot, then you call him up in September. I've changed my tune on Dominguez getting called up a little bit, <laughs> mostly admittedly just because it happened and now it's exciting. And so yeah. now I'm not able to be like, before I was just skeptical. I was like, why would that, ha why would that happen? The Yankees never do stuff like that. Why would they call him up in September in the middle of a lost season? So I didn't even try to justify it. I was just like, it's not going to happen. So don't pay any attention to it. Then it did. And I immediately was like, all right, now I'm obviously, I'm going to watch Friday night against the Astros. I was not going to watch that. Otherwise, come on, give me a break. Like it gives you a reason to watch the rest of the season, especially because a lot of us have been tuned out, checked out for probably two or three weeks. Now there's something to monitor. The only reason I will say that I'm not worried um, is, one, I don't think you could do that much damage to yourself and your psyche in three weeks at the end of September. Again, when you're playing out the string and you're just trying to, you know, trying to play spoiler a little bit, you got these ALEs teams on your docket. Maybe you annoy them. Could be fun. Um, Everson Pereira has struggled since being called up, but I can't recall thinking for one second, like, oh, man, he's done for next year, too. Like, it's over for him. No, he'll get, a, he'll get an off season. He'll work out. He'll... Get his feet wet a little bit. Dominguez was as weird, the weirdest April you could have. He was hitting like 160 and OBPing like 400 and striking out a ton, getting no pitches to hit, taking walks, yeah. whiffing all the time. And May and June, equally not interesting. Took a little step forward in May, a little step back in June. July, 800 OPS. August, 1,000 plus OPS, tearing the cover off the ball, gets promoted. And he exploded when he hit double A last year, too. He hit 450 in the playoffs as Somerset won the championship. He hits 419 at triple A, gets the head nod this time around. History dictates him having a hot start at the level and then having to adjust. But if that doesn't happen, I have enough evidence now of him at the minor league level struggling sometimes for as long as three months, like earlier this year, and then wow. being able to turn the dial to the right and then really turn it up and put the burners on. So if he struggles in this month, I, I no longer am going to think to myself like, oh, he's going to suck in March also. Like 
that doesn't really go hand in hand. That's that's anxiety talking. That's mm-hmm. like Yankee fans who are jaded now and have watched a lot of top prospects struggle and who are deciding who have decided, I guess, that Anthony Volpe is still struggling, which isn't true. Even no. he's been he, he was great in June, struggled a little bit in July, best month of his career in August. Like, I think a lot of cynical people are still using him as a cautionary tale because he's hitting 220. But he's got 20 homers, 20 stolen bases, and 3.6 B war. And he's getting that OPS plus up close to 100. Like, that's how you finish your rookie year. I'm pretty hardened by that. And I think Dominguez could do the same thing next year. And this helps. Again, this makes April 2024 not the first month of Dominguez's baseball career in the big leagues. If he makes the team out of spring training next year, there will be no headlines about how he's on the opening day roster and look at the Martian eat a sandwich and, you know, look at the Martian, get custom cleats. Like you'll still read those. But when Volpe got called the bigs, they talked to every teacher he ever had. They talked to his parents, Filipino cooking instructors. They talked to the people who call in to WFAN like, like, oh, yeah, I saw his dad at the dog park. Good guy or whatever. And it was the <laughs> everything you read for a month was just like Anthony Volpe, New York boy, New York family. If Dominguez makes the opening day roster now, you're not going to read that stuff because he's already been here for a month. Yeah, and it's um, it's especially smart just to get the head start. We've been talking about this for a while. If the season's dead, figure it out. At the very uh, the worst case scenario is it doesn't work, and you tried it, and you weren't going anywhere anyway. Best case scenario is you have an answer for what's going on. Look at all these front office decisions that are being made. White Sox fire GM and president of baseball ops. Get the fuck ahead of it. Take a month to now get the new guys in the building. The Mets just cleaned front office house. Everybody beneath Billy Epler, essentially. Like there were problems. <laughs> with Billy's uh, Billy's got to watch out there too. I yeah. don't think he'll make the house. Billy butt cheeks, watch out, buddy. Um, the uh, the the I can't stress enough how important it is to get off to these head starts because then you're uh, or else what are, what what are you doing? You're scrambling in the offseason. You're trying to figure out how you're going to make up ground for the upcoming season and uh it it rarely ever works out because there's so many factors that go into this there's so many unknowns and in this case for the yankees the prospects are the unknowns you need to know what the commodities are you need to know who's worth keeping who's worth trading um who will give you an opportunity to sacrifice some depth um who you might need to test out if the, the the players that got called up don't exactly perform um that helps you you know clear the clear the path to what you're going to do in free agency and on the trade market it's the smartest thing you could do uh, the yankees haven't done it in a while because they really haven't been subject to this because they haven't had this bad of a year in what since 2015 i mean they haven't been under 500 they haven't been under 500 at this mark since 95 and i don't know that. if they'll fit yeah i don't know if they'll finish under 500 though i think they're gonna make it i i actually agree with you there i think yeah. i mean look this is the best iteration of this team we've had in a long time uh they're i i don't have it's not like i have faith like oh they're gonna march into fenway and take care of business but if you're the red sox in that four game series in a week and a half would you rather face the Yankees you've already beaten a million times with Billy McKinney and Jake Bowers? Or would you would you like to face Everson Pereira and Jason Dominguez and Austin Wells? Like, is that exciting for you? Do you do you want to do that? I don't think you want to do that to the same extent as uh you definitely wanted to buzz through IKF and and Bowers and McKinney and all the other fill-ins and Oswaldo Cabrera and, and people hitting 184. Um, now the Red Sox have proven that they can handle whatever the Yankees throw at them this year. So I'm going to go ahead and say 
uh, that's going to be a split at best. But the Yankees have made it more annoying on all their opponents for the rest of the month who now have to game plan for top 100 prospects instead of throwaway fill-in players. Well, and what an introduction, too. You get these guys involved in the rivalry, a little taste of the rivalry when it's not the highest stakes it could possibly be. Again, no. the pressure the pressure is already mounting if you're in New York regardless. No matter who you are, you could be in a triple A journeyman coming up to fill a roster spot. You could be a top prospect. You could be a high profile free agent signing. You could be a giant trade acquisition. doesn't matter. It, it comes with the territory. Now spotlights a little bit less bright, you get a taste of the Red Sox. Maybe you spoil their season. Pretty fucking cool. Set the tone for the next generation. I don't know. I, I, do I think it's going to happen? I probably not, but it's possible. And then that could set the tone for what's to come. Um, at this point, based on the, the, some of the changes that they made and, some of the positive results we've been seeing. I'm not going to rule anything out. I'm not exactly optimistic. I'm I'm a I'm I'm a happy viewer right now. Just a little mystic, yeah. I don't have to be because I don't have to be dialed in, and then I could be pleasantly surprised by new th- new developments here. Um, getting ahead of it, as we've been talking about, is important so they know. But why didn't the Yankees get ahead of this? What is this? Why didn't they get ahead of this? Why you get they put Harrison Bader on what you saw everything that had happened. The Angels put four or five players on waivers, um, which I didn't honestly. I asked you, I didn't know that this was still allowed because they banned no. the waiver trade. So they banned the trades, but they didn't ban the, the claims. I, I don't know how that they, makes sense because these people found a loophole. I mean, yeah. this was this was as far as we know, not something that anybody planned for. And I think yeah. Rob Manfred was just kind of like, no owner's gonna be cheap enough to dump seven expensive players on waivers at the end of August. So we don't even need to put that in the CBA because why would anybody do that? We banned waiver trades. So you, you guys asked for that. We're not gonna do that anymore. And yeah, you could put somebody on waivers, but I mean, usually this is just desperate teams floating like hundred million dollars on players. Like, yeah, anybody want to take Giancarlo Stanton? And then everyone else around the league is like, absolutely not. I do not want that person's entire salary. And then the team who put them on waivers is like, got it. Um, there was a lot of weird discourse this week about is it disrespectful? And a lot of people are like, yo, the players have never known they've been on waivers. They only find out when they've got claimed. And I get that, but. To that, I will say and counter with, this is the first time I've ever seen an owner put five guys who expire at the end of the year on waivers like that. And then the Yankees following in their footsteps and being like, I'm going to do with Bader too. And the Mets being like, oh, Carlos Carrasco, he's on waivers also. Mike Clevenger, yeah, everybody's on waivers. Like, this is a whole new thing. A, A big old pile of people on waivers one month before their contract expires. I feel like that's unprecedented first of all and second of all if harrison bader is the only yankee who would happen to you can give him a little heads up that you're gonna do that yeah there there's a difference if you're conducting some sort of exodus like the angels are um and there's or a if difference. stanton and dj and rizzo were all on waivers and didn't get claimed you don't have to tell them that yeah but bader's gonna get claimed he's gonna leave he has to pack up in two days yeah there, there's positives and negatives because look he gets to go to a contender Nine times out of 10, these guys are going to contenders, right? Because no team out of the race is going to pick up extra money when they don't need to, um, unless they think they can make a big enough impression on them in the final month of the season to sign them to an extension. Very, very, very unlikely. But so the positive here is that Bader goes to the, goes to the red season. Now a, a, a playoff rate division race, as a matter of fact, um, and that might reinvigorate him. 
bad part of this is he seemingly enjoyed being a Yankee, which I think a lot of fans valued because I don't know if we've seen a lot of those guys in recent years, not necessarily calling anybody out, but I don't know if anyone's been super happy to be here um, or super enthusiastic in terms of the spotlight in New York and everything that's kind of transpired with how this team has fallen short and whatnot. But Bader was, enthused and passionate about being here he's from uh what is it bronxville or whatever yeah Um, some uh i think it was mlb maybe it was barstool somebody tweeted like man from the bronx to the yankees like how could you do harrison bader like that now when i gotta raise the hand and go bronxville's not the bronx i don't think people don't i don't think people know that bronxville's in westchester it's like an affluent suburb yeah like it's it's absolutely (laughs) not the bronx it's it's maybe the richest westchester town so he grew up a yankee fan from the area but he did not grow up in the bronx yeah he grew up 45 minutes away but you know it's like being from the suburbs in jersey it's he grew like being where volpe's from yeah he grew up right by my favorite coffee place slave to the grind and a, a an antique bookstore and a clothing emporium called Tony, Tony, Tone, but he did not grow up in the Bronx. He did not. Uh, it was not a rough and tumble upbringing for Harrison Bader. That's, I think, as far, I think that's as far as we can go there. Yeah, we love um, you. I mean, Harrison Bader would not tell you he grew up in the Bronx. Yeah. This was just Twitter, but yeah. just I want to just let people know, like, no. Classic Twitter. So, I look, you have that, that's a bummer aspect of it, but also, like, I'm not calling out Bader, but he seemed a little disillusioned and I don't blame him. Uh, I would be dis I'm disillusioned watching the team. How can you not be disillusioned playing for this team? It's the brawl video for you, right? Like that was definitely the moment when I was like, is this guy a problem? Has this guy been toxic for like a while now? Yeah. I, I didn't even go that like my thought process didn't even go that far. I was just like, he doesn't give a fuck. And I, it's, it looks like he doesn't give a fuck and I kind of don't blame him. Um, yeah. cause I don't give a fuck as a fan. The, the the thing that caught on to me, the, the, thing, the thing that caught on for me when I've been watching him was that he was such an energizer in the dugout. Yeah. Um, the camera would always cut to him. Uh, he'd be cheering guys on. He'd be the first one at the steps to high five somebody on the way back. He'd be doing something goofy and fun. And you just saw less and less and less and less of that as time went on. And again, not blaming him. I think it's the natural progression of what happens when um, your team is faced with cutthroat media every single day as a result of poor performances when your GM has to do, in my opinion, four too many press conferences over the span of two months to talk about the state of the team. Um, when the owner has to go on the airwaves multiple times to talk about the state of the team. Um, when the manager is asked the same questions and has no answers for anything every single night. So yeah, I don't blame them, but like, I, I think the, I think the the moment came where he was probably like, I don't know if like I know I'm close to home, but like, I don't know if I want to resign here. And the Yankees obviously had that same feeling because they're like, all right, goodbye. If if he had known he was being placed on waivers, the Yankees were like, look, Harrison, we want to get you somewhere. We want to save some money. We'll talk again in the offseason. That would be different. But that wasn't the case because he was asked after the game how he found out he got placed on waivers. And he said, oh, the ticker was on uh, ESPN. Yeah. And I saw it on the TV and yeah, figured that was that 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 was it. So like again, the Yankees poor way of communicating and, and doing business will uh will um come back to bite them in some capacity. But yeah, there it's clear that the manner in which they did this, Bader's not coming back next year. No. Um they don't want him. There's a reason they put him on waivers. 
to call up Jason Dominguez to play the rest of the season in center field. It's, it's pretty obvious. Um, they didn't, I don't think they foresaw his timeline getting expedited the way it did. And I don't think they foresaw Harrison Bader's kind of tumble at the, uh, over these last couple of months, both on press, both a little bit unprecedented. And now I think they're, I, I, w- I wouldn't say it's a foolproof, like surefire, smart roster move, but it's certainly a smart one because I don't know if, if re-signing Bader was a good idea with how everything's went down. And I think it's best always to see what you have in the, what is Dominguez, the number one prospect, see what you got, see what you got, figure it out, move on. Don't have to spend an extra 40, 50, 60 million or whatever it was to keep Bader. I just can't believe they didn't trade him. Yeah. Like, well that too, that's, that's number one. If, if Hal Steinbrenner, the rumors are true and Hal Steinbrenner vetoed a fire sale. Cause he didn't want to make it look like they were waving the white flag. <sighs> Does this not look like that? You're you're now putting a respected veteran on waivers. You're you're in the Artie Moreno bucket. Is that not more embarrassing to you than yeah. trading people at the trade deadline? Yep. Nobody. Cleveland traded Aaron Savali, traded Ahmed Rosario, and now they're they reloaded yesterday. They got all the waiver guys. They got Lucas Giolito. But when Cleveland traded away big league talent, did anybody say that's embarrassing? No, I didn't hear that. The Mariners are the hottest team in baseball. They traded their closer at the deadline. They traded Paul Seawall. Like. I don't remember anybody being like classless. The Mariners, are, I can't believe they're waving the white flag. And their play on the field was a pretty solid response to that. It was, no, we're not. And we're going to go 20 and 5 in August or whatever. <laughs> like, nobody thinks trading veterans and trading rentals when you're scuffling is an admission. It, it might be a minor admission of defeat, but it's not like some embarrassment. No. Not like putting Harrison Bader on waivers on August 28th. That's really embarrassing. Uh, and then not doing it with IKF and not doing it with your other ve- other veterans. We we got a chat here. Like, why are they not doing it with Luis Severino? I mean, he's they, they need arms, and he's coming yeah. off three, thirteen and two thirds shutout innings, and he's gone at the end of the year. I don't it's, think anyone's taking that money either. It's a simple explanation. I mean, he he's not getting claimed on waivers. Yeah. So I think th- there are simple explanations for why they're not doing that. But and also they might have put Luis Severino on waivers. They Maybe. actually don't know. Uh, but. IKF, Severino, like if we're leaking these names, Wandy Peralta should be on waivers. There should be a lot more yeah. people on waivers. Uh, and and now the Yankees save, I broke it down. I think it was like $860,000 on Bader, but whatever. I saw just under 800000 someone reported, but whatever it is, it does, they needed to save $1.1 million to get under that top level of Steve Cohen tax, and they don't. So it's all about, you're right, delivering the message to Bader that he's not coming back. The qualifying offer is now off the table because he doesn't end on the Yankees. So no one-year $20 million deal for Bader. And definitely no multi-year deal for Bader. And uh, so it's about that. It's about delivering that message. It's about doing him a little favor and getting him to Cincinnati. They didn't do him a grand disservice. He goes to a playoff contender now for a month. That's good. That's nice. Hmm. Um, but if they were doing a fully nice, you don't have to act like it was a fully nice act of charity from the Yankees. They, they didn't give him a heads up. He yeah. did find out on television. And then they put him in the lineup. And he had to go play a baseball game. Yeah, uh, he's, he's been struggling at the plate all year anyway. He's got a 72 OPS plus last I checked. It's probably lower than that now because he didn't get a hit the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. He mashed lefties. He was really poor against righties this year. The injury bug was too much. Not a good season for him. And, and he's the kind of player that you can tolerate because he's a spark plug and he's at clutch moments and we enjoy his defense, obviously exceptional most of the time when his head's in the game. Uh, a great player from t- a, a, a person who peaks 
at greatness, yeah. but not a great player. Um, clutch, for sure. Home run binge in last year's postseason. Mm-hmm. Loved it. But yeah, you want to pencil him into the eighth spot. You want powerhouse hitters one through seven. And you want maybe a speed demon nine to turn the lineup over. That's what a good lineup has. A good lineup doesn't have Harrison Bader hitting fifth every single day, facing righties, his kryptonite, over and over again. And a, a well-constructed team does not include a $75 million Harrison Bader deal. So, yeah, can't do that. Correct. Yeah, I think he was the definition of like what this team needed on the fringes. They needed people to level up when the going got tough or when um, the stakes got uh, the stakes got bigger. And he did that in a very it, – it, it took him no time to adjust to doing that. He had missed – what five or six weeks last year since arriving at the deadline took September to warm up and then the playoffs arrived and he was immediately kicking ass comes off the IL this year. Yankees are in a bit of a bind. He is on fire hitting 400 with, you know, 1.1 OPS absolutely dominating. Um, And then the Yankees disease got to him. I can't blame him. Um, But yeah, at this point, like if you're going to put Bader on waivers, I mean, put Wandy Peralta with him, put IKF with him. You don't need those guys if you're if you're waving the white flag. DFA Rortvet, DFA Albert Abreu, and just keep bringing people up. I don't know, like they, they I'm not going to complain about what they've done. I think they've they've done a decent amount, but if they really, really, really wanted to see and figure out what next year was going to be like with these, uh, with this, with this group of guys and these talented players that they have, they could have gone the extra mile and, and cleared some more salary and made some more room on the roster, but we'll see what we have in uh, Dominguez and Pereira and uh, Wells over the next month. And that should dictate what they do in the off season. Yeah. Don't forget Wells, like uh, oh, an, an 800 OPS catcher cool. at a position where the Yankees are starting, like, Jose Trevino with a wrist problem all year and Kyle Higashioka, who's going to get non-tendered this offseason, and Ben Rortfed, who was hitting 105 last time I checked. Like, yeah, that could be a difference maker, actually. Trevino-Wells combo behind the plate next year is way more fun than injured Trevino-Higashioka or Higashioka-Rortvet, which has not been that fun. And uh, Rortvet somehow the second most important Yankee uh, from the Josh Donaldson trade, which is just which is just great. We'll, we'll talk about mm-hmm. him uh, we'll talk about Donaldson by the end of the show. We'll transition to talking about Glaber Torres, but again, just a reminder that code on Caesar Sportsbook, the promo code is YGYGET. Uh, that is again the promo code. If you are a new user, this is a new Caesar's promo code for you and you alone. If you have not yet signed up for Caesar Sportsbook, we're gearing up for the end of the MLB season with the bet 50, get $250 in bonus bets, limited time offer. Again, new users can sign up with YGYGET. And redeem two hundred fifty dollars in bonus bets after placing that first wager of fifty dollars on every any MLB game. Even if your first bet loses, you will receive one fifty dollars bonus bet credit each week over the next five weeks. It's spread out. YGY get is the code. New customers twenty one plus. Physically present. Legally gambling states only. New customers only. Please, please remember to always gamble responsibly. Please. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Glaber Torres. What a Glaber Torres series this was. We don't want to pay attention to wins and losses, but we have to sometimes when Glaber Torres loses a game by throwing away an inning-ending double play to send it to the 11th. That's a loss that you do look at and go, eh. So I'm not really too concerned with the results right now, but that really sucks ass. Um, Glaber homered uh, binge at the start of this series. Glaber got his OPS over 800. Glaber is the second-best offensive player on the New York Yankees. Again, Mm -hmm. that is still not what you want you want there to be better offensive players on the new york yankees but 798 ops 270 average 23 bombs 57 rbi for a 26 year old pretty good so here's the deal if the yankees think they can compete in 2024 keep glaber torres for one year yeah if the Yankees don't think they can compete in 2024, trade him immediately while he is nearing 30 home runs, pairing it with his trademark inconsistent defense. Do not extend Glaber Torres. And I don't even really want, what is the counter? I guess the counter is that you haven't seen enough from Peraza yet. And I hear you on that. And I yeah. haven't seen enough from Peraza yet either. Um, but if you if you think the Yankees are good enough, that's an argument for not turning the position over next year to Peraza. That's not an argument for extending Glaber Torres for eight years, probably, especially if he's going to heat up like this. Adding another right-handed bat to the lineup permanently. Adding someone you know is prone to defensive lapses and strange moments of judgment and weird little regressions at the worst times. Adding someone you cannot count on. Someone who could absolutely go supernova for the first three games of a three-game series against the Tigers and then almost single-handedly lose the fourth game. That's not somebody who you pay unless you have a lot of sure things everywhere and unlimited resources. But if the Yankees have taught us anything the past couple of years is that they don't have enough talent and they have limited resources. They limited their own resources by getting Josh Donaldson. They make a move like this and put 22-24 AAV on Glaber Torres' docket. Mm -hmm. They will be limiting themselves moving forward. People seem to think Anthony Volpe could be a second baseman anyway. Maybe Roderick Arias is a shortstop. Maybe Trey Sweeney is a shortstop. Maybe George Lombard Jr. is a shortstop. Maybe Volpe is a shortstop and those guys are second baseman. Maybe Peraza does stand out. Maybe DJ plays second and they go out and sign a third baseman like Matt Chapman. A lot of options for the next couple years. Glaber Torres is the best option for the 2024 Yankees. Beyond that, I don't think so. So if you think you're going to stink next year, trade him and don't stop there. If you think you're going to be good next year, keep him because he's a pretty good bat. Don't keep him here through 2034. Please don't. Uh, I'm not. It's it's not an indictment on him. It's just it's not. He's not with the Yankees. Just because he's one of the best hitters on the team doesn't mean he's essential to the Yankees. Uh, that's more 
of an indictment on the Yankees' poor roster construction that Gleyber Torres is the second most important hitter right now behind Aaron Judge, um, which should ne- should have never been the case. Think of think 2018 and 2019, Gleyber Torres was an amazing, an amazing supporting cast player with what he was able to contribute. But you never sat there and were like, oh, you know, we need we need Glaber today. We need this is this is the moment for Glaber Torres. It's like, no, he was great where he was in the lineup. He was a beneficiary of every of all the other successful hitters around him. And it ended up showing when the Yankees started kind of plummeting and in, in the talent um in the talent department and when injuries took a toll um, he was not good in 2020 or 2021. Um, it took him, he, he had an okay 2022 in my opinion, because the manner in which he performed in August, which was the, the most dreadful month of the season and, you know, started to take the Yankee season off course, um, undid a lot of the good that he was able to do. And then again, he's been playing at the MLB level for now six full years. He cannot be making these gaffes on defense. And I always criticize Glaber for his gaffes on defense Yesterday, I don't know. Loisig has got to make a better throw. If anything, Glaber just has to hold on to that and not throw to first because at that point it was probably a lost play. He gave um, up some runs in the middle innings too, though. He, yeah. he blew a double play ball, moved yep. the runner over, and the Tigers got back-to-back ruby singles to, yeah. to extend it from one zip to three zip. It was not just that double play ball. Yeah. No, I know when like people look at the box score and they're like, oh, well, you know, or they'll look at his like, you know, fielding game log and they're like, oh, well, he hasn't made that many errors. It's like, yeah, he's not charged for the other dumb stuff that he does, like a tough play, a tough play earlier this week, but getting caught flat footed on that blooper that um, that changed the game against uh, who the fuck, who who even who the Tampa, f- Tampa on Sunday yeah, against Tampa. Yeah. I remember him getting doubled off first on all those easy pop outs earlier in the year. Where yeah. Like, why are you at second base now? Now yeah. you're out. So now you learned your lesson. But wh- why are you where you are? Yeah. <laughs> why are why do you do why do you do the things that you do? Um, yeah. The Yankees can invest that much money. In. I think that's the end of the story. Are they trying to invest money in Michael King in a different way? I don't know what's going on here. Um, this is team's best reliever now a starter because of injuries. I've never seen a team or have I, we've probably seen somebody do something like this where they take from a position of strength and completely knock it down when the rest of their, that area of the roster is not that great job of Chamberlain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess. Michael King's now what started two games in a row, three games in a row, or piggybacked one and started two, whatever the hell's been going on. Um, he's Yankees he's are certainly down. becoming a starter. The intention yeah. is is for him to show off that skill. He is taking up more bulk. He's already tried this though. Well, he well, he certainly tried it in 2021, and uh, it was pretty insufferable. His worst inning in all those starts was the first inning. First inning. So that's not what you want. You you want a starter to attack the mound with veracity and it feel like he was able to attack the mound with ferocity out of the bullpen, but not as a starter. And so that's why they moved him to the bullpen. And and that's why he didn't really come back until a couple weeks ago. The thing with this is it's worked so far. He's looked good in these 60 pitch four inning outings. He's that was good. good. Everything um, else was whatever. He gave up a run against the nationals. Marlins ambushed him right away. Marlins ambushed him right away. He came in for, well, he looked good against the Braves in that re- relief slash. That was the definition of the uh, middle relief bulk 
um, that could that you know that's like piggyback starter type type deal. He went three and two thirds and um, struck out three, didn't give up a run. Um, I don't know. Uh, this was I was fully against this when he was starting. Um, so I can't I can't renege on that and go back to it. I don't think that this is the fit. He was obviously an electric reliever. Um, I still don't think he should be the team's best reliever. I think he should be maybe the third best uh, based on his hiccups in a lot of big situations. This year. He single-handedly blew three games against the Red Sox. And I'm looking at this fucking game log, and now it pisses me off because it's like if the Yankees win one of those games against the Nationals, they win that Marlins game where Clay Holmes blew it, and um, they win one of two against um, – uh the Nats and it's like is this a different season they won yesterday's game yeah I know I'm not going to ask for a four game sweep though just because I'm not I I at this point we have we don't deserve anything but like what if you just won the three or four games that you already had won and you decided to not win should we go down the line I mean look Michael King the starter it is what it is the interesting element is he seems to want this so it's like, all right, do you, do you prioritize keeping him in the bullpen or keeping him happy? Because if you keep him in the bullpen unhappy and he struggles, then what do you have? Yeah. So I, I understand that they're trying this out. I don't think he should be a favorite for a rotation spot. Make him a fifth starter. That's fine. Sure. I, I don't think he should be a favorite for a rotation spot entering spring trading next year. Calculation changes a little bit if you sell high on Clark Schmidt. He's a trade candidate. Offseason is going to get interesting either way. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, they're doing him a favor here. The elbow injury scares me it was last summer it was not that long ago that he had floating bone chips in there and we thought he might need tommy john and he didn't putting additional strain on that arm every time i watch him i look at the elbow and i go uh, like there's a lot of the pitches he's he uncorks a lot of movement it takes a lot of weird snapping yeah. of the arm to get that going so he makes me nervous even as a short reliever as a starter double that so i understand they're being nice to him but this freaks me out moving forward, uh, and I hope they'll be serious about evaluating the rotation next spring. I hope they'll bring in some veterans. I hope they'll make some trades for some established pitchers, and they won't just be like, Michael King was good in August and September, right? Yeah, great. He's our three starter. Um, I mean, we'll close on Donaldson, but before we do that, going down the list of games that he like, look, this is what bad teams do. You look back at the end of the year and you go, why couldn't we have just, look at that. Oh, look at that one. You could add 15 wins to this season. If you just, look at that one. My God. But this year's team has just a number of these games that are like you're you're giving them the nationals games they blew. It's a, I'm giving going, them one of those. I don't. Even, I want one of those. I'm going down the line. I don't even really want to go back to April. But how about Domingo Herman throwing a one hit shutout or or whatever he had against Cleveland and they bring in Holmes and he drops a grounder and they blow that. Do we have that game back? That was a win. Um, scrolling back, scrolling further down that line. Uh, what about uh, Garrett Cole getting a 6 nothing lead in Tampa? Can we pencil that one in? That's a win that they should have had. Nope, another loss. Uh, what about any of the uh, – what about the one nothing game they lost in 10 innings in Seattle and they had a million chances at the end of that game? That was like in the 12th or 13th. This one was – you're thinking of the one from last fall. This is the one where they just went 10 innings. Oh, yeah. They, <laughs> they did have – uh, Volpe up with runner on. They, they had a free runner on second. They couldn't score. Yeah. You could just score that guy. Maybe this is a different game. Um, the games they lost to the White Sox where Lucas Giolito almost no hit them. And then Michael King blew one where Savvy yeah. was bad in the first game of that doubleheader. Mm -hmm. We have that back. Can we have Volpe's home run that went just foul against uh, Kenley Jansen? Can we have that one back? 
Can we have the one Michael King blew two days later, the two one lead on, on, you know, single runner advance grounder grounder or whatever. Can we have the Mets game from a couple days after that back where they rally to take the lead and all of a sudden, you know, three, one in the seventh isn't good enough. Uh, go on literally forever. The game where they left all those runners on base against Texas and, and lost four, two in 10 innings. Uh, the Colorado game. Oh God. The angels game where Otani goes yardy and Michael King is, is left holding the bag there as well. The other one, nothing Orioles game where they play their ass off. And again, just get walked off by Anthony Santander. It's like, oops, it's a Garrett Cole start. <laughs> I would like that one back. And then of course, yes, the Miami game, Either of the two White Sox games, they lost 5-1 and 9-2. How about Sunday against the Red Sox, the 6-5 loss when Volpe's three-run home run tied it, and then they lost anyway, and then the run got taken off the board for some reason after yeah. review when everybody and their mother knows that IKF scored safely on that ball, and there was no angle to overturn it, even if you didn't think he was out. But for some reason, someone in the government said, oh, the Red Sox get a break here. Uh, give the Yankees that one. And then obviously the Nationals game where they're cruising along and change-up artist Tommy Canely shows up and he's like, you'll never guess what I'm about to throw. And the Nationals are like, is it change-ups? And he's like, no, it's not. And then it was. Uh, and then yesterday in Detroit. So I just listed what? Conservatively 15 games Yankees could have won. Just give them 10. And then they're right in the race. I don't think 10 is too much to ask for basically cinched-up wins. Yeah, you're right. I was going to say seven. Uh, to just to be fair, because again, we deserve nothing based on what's happened. But two times in a week, Anthony Volpe ties the game with a late three run home run and they lose. Two times in a week? Yeah. I don't. Yeah. And now you have Michael King. I don't know. He's 0 6 as a starter with a 570 RA and a 156 whip and 13 starts. A lot of those losses we just read off were Michael yeah. King's fault, too. And again, as a reliever, 2.93 ERA, 1.10 whip, good. Not your best reliever. That cannot be your best reliever. Your best reliever needs to be low twos, high ones, with a sub one whip. If you've been watching baseball for the last couple decades. Low twos, high ones, with a sub one whip. You're talking every pitcher who faces Josh Donaldson? Is that who you're <laughs> talking about? Uh, Josh Donaldson's back in baseball. He's, he, signed a minor league, he signed a minor league deal with the Brewers yesterday during the waiver wire madness. That means he's postseason eligible. Bob Nightingale said it's a minor league deal, but they'll elevate him in the next week. That's the expectation. Well, a week from today, the Yankees welcome the Milwaukee Brewers to town in the Bronx. So odds are very high. Josh Donaldson will be on the Brewers. Glad Aaron Boone did him a favor. I'm glad for the rest of the year. No, I'm not. What am I talking about? I don't care about that. But for the rest of the year, there's nobody who's going to like punish the Yankees and have it matter. Josh Donaldson could hit three home runs next weekend, and I would just go like, ah. Ain't that a bitch, but I wouldn't be like, wow, Josh Donaldson just knocked the Yankees out of the wild card race. Like that's not on the table. He could just, he could just, you know, bat flip his singles and do whatever it is that he does. And maybe put a charge in one. Nothing will change the fact that a, the Yankees are out of the race. B Josh Donaldson had 10 home runs this season and 15 hits, not 10 and 15, 10 homers and five non-homer hits. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's true. His BABIP is the lowest ever. Uh, batting average on balls in play this year for someone with 100 plate appearances. It was 076. And before you say, doesn't that mean Josh Donaldson's unlucky? The other people on that list are mostly pitchers. So I don't think you would have said that these pitchers hitting were also unlucky. That just means Donaldson makes poor contact when he makes it and rarely makes contact. So it's either a home run meaning that batting average goes up or it's a dribbler or a pop out 
or, uh, you know, bad contact. So a bad contact year, a bad contract two years. One of the most egregious Yankees blunders ever, ever, probably. 100%. Ever, ever, ever. Uh, bottom line, that's the kind of trade, that's when you knew the Yankees were screwed. Because that's the kind of trade only the Yankees can make. It's the kind of trade Bill Simmons always tells the Knicks to make. Where he's like, they should just get somebody terrible and expensive like Russell Westbrook. Because they're the only team with enough cap space. <laughs> and then you're like, but if they actually did that, you'd laugh at them for trading for Russell Westbrook, right? And he's like, yeah, that's my secret. It's like, those are the kind of trades that only really rich teams with endless space in their pockets can make. If the A's were willing to take on Josh Donaldson to be their stopgap and then also sign two pitchers and, you know, trade for another expensive asset or sign somebody or, or sign Correa after Donaldson busted to play short, move Volpe to second, trade Torres. If you're willing to go to Steve Cohen territory with your payroll, you can make that Donaldson trade. But if you're going to make Donaldson the last expensive move you make, you cannot make the Josh Donaldson trade. And I'm excited to see him next weekend uh, when we do get a chance to boo him loudly one more time before he probably hangs him up. When he was released by the Yankees, he put out that tweet that was basically like, thank you to every person who's ever watched a baseball game. I wish well to the Yankees, but didn't thank Yankee fans, didn't thank the Yankees. It was very odd. It sounded like he was retiring. Apparently, that retirement thought lasted like three hours because now he's a Milwaukee Brewer, and we'll see him again next week. Yeah, this will be the one time where I thoroughly support booing somebody. Yeah. Um, just a miserable Yankee, a miserable attitude. Never liked him as – never, never even though he was one of the best in the league for that you know four- or five-year stretch – um, when he was with the A's and the Blue Jays, just a terrible agitator, just always got under your skin, never the right vibes, always like just asshole attitude, asshole vibes. Um, then he comes to the Yankees. We don't know why he's here. That clip of Cashman going around, holy shit, is so funny where he's like, yeah, well, thank you to Gio Urshela, but he's no Josh Donaldson. And yeah. then Josh Donaldson proceeds to suck ass for two years. And Gio uh, Urshela, who has a fractured hip out OPS plus him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Offense, who's like Gio Urshela's offense just had to be spectacular defense that the metrics didn't like for some reason. And the offense was incredible with the juice ball and then kind of okay, clutch, fine, like Bayer, right? Could could be your eighth best player, but not like someone you got to write home about, I guess. They thought Josh Donaldson could be more than that. They were wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Urshela was an above average offensive player during Donaldson's Yankee tenure. Donaldson was not his OPS plus is better than you think it is though which is really kind of an indictment that's what happens when you hit home runs what happens when you only hit home runs and nothing else um good luck to the Brewers who David Stearns no longer the president of baseball operations there um it is this man named Matt Arnold yeah who signed Josh Donaldson these quotes are objectively hilarious um Arnold says of Donaldson, you look at the pedigree of this guy. He has instant credibility and a presence when he walks in the door. We certainly think he has a chance to help. He is a baseball rat and has uh, edge to him in a good way. We also have a strong culture here and we feel we have a really good foundation. Prepare for that foundation to crumble from the bottom. And uh, I don't know what you have seen instant credibility wise from Josh Donaldson since 2021. And if you're still hanging on to what he did in 2021 or any years previously, you're not getting that. And you're definitely not going to just randomly have it awaken within him in the final month of the season. 
this is a this is a very Yankees-esque move from the Brewers, who Brewers contending team leading the NL Central, right? Can't really hit. And then they take a flyer on a former a former great slugger who clearly has nothing left in the tank and think it's going to pay dividends in some way. So boo the guy, laugh at Matt Arnold, have your fun. He surely is a baseball rat. Can can confirm. Snitch. Can confirm that one. Uh, good luck next weekend, Rat Boy. Uh, and good luck in Milwaukee. We'll see you. We'll see you next week. And I wish we wouldn't. We'll see you next week on this podcast. Gonna take the early part of the week off. Coming back on Thursday strong from the holiday weekend. Uh, in in the meantime, listen, re-listen to this episode. Listen to Monday's show. Listen to the Bernie Williams interview that went up late last night. That's on the feed. Hope you enjoy that. More interviews coming your way soon. Ideally, it would be great. Uh, we'll catch everybody 2 o'clock Eastern next Thursday, every Monday and Thursday from here on out into the offseason, which is when you really want a Yankees podcast because let's face it, outside of the kids, not much going right for us these days still. Uh, and I would not call Glaber Torres something that is going right long term. No. The promo is YGY Get. The sponsor is Caesar Sportsbook. The hosts are Adam Weiner and Thomas Carinante. I'm on Twitter at Adam Weiner. Thomas, where can the people find you? I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. The both of us are at the official Yanksco Yard Twitter account at Yanksco Yard FS. You don't know who's going to answer you, so beware. Yeah. Please head on over to YanksGoYard.com. You guys have been doing a great job uh, talking with us, chatting with us, reading the content. We appreciate it. Um, couldn't be happier. I know this is a pretty dismal year, but um, you guys are reading. We're all interacting. We're having a good time. Um, and we're not stopping. We're going to have content through the end of the season. The offseason is going to be hot. So be with us for the rest of the way here, this final month of the year when we're watching these young guys come up. Hopefully they can provide something for us at the start of 2024. And enjoy your holiday weekend. It's the last one for until, what, the fall? End of yeah. the summer? Uh, until Italian-American Heritage Day in uh, October, <laughs> whatever we're officially calling that now. It's uh, Indigenous People's Day. Anthony Volpe <laughs> Celebration Monday. Um, that'll be a great one. So I hope everybody enjoys your Indigenous People's Day. I apologize for uh, getting it wrong. <laughs> I actually thought I had that one right, but no, incorrect. Um, we'll see everybody back on Thursday to talk Yankees baseball. Take care, everyone. See ya.